to My Immune System Hates Me. We talk a lot on this show about being your own advocate, but how do you do that? Well, Dr. Nance is here to help. Nancy has a long history with doctors and is using her gained knowledge to teach others how to advocate for themselves. She has Hashimoto's thyroiditis, endometriosis, and is now searching for a diagnosis for a mystery illness. Here's Dr. Nance. Hi, Nancy. Welcome to My Immune System Hates Me. How are you? I'm doing pretty well, Chelsea. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you as well. Um, So before we start talking about your health, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself? Okay. I am a 63-year-old cis woman. I'm a retired ethics professor. I live now in Windsor, Ontario. I'm originally from the United States. I've been here since 1984 in Canada. Um, I live with my husband. We just celebrated our 40th wedding anniversary. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, The rest of the family is all south of the border. My sisters, brother, stepchildren, their families. My interests are gardening. Um, I did have wonderful, amazing gardens, but now we live in a condo. So this summer I volunteered at a micro organic farm in the county. Oh, wow. Outside the city. So that was fun. I also like movies, theater, music, and uh, I'm into genealogy. Very cool. Very cool. Awesome. We talked about it a little bit before, but we've got some like similarities as far as yeah. U.S. and Canada. It's very cool. <laughs> we kind of went in opposite directions, but... Definitely, uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So why don't you tell us what, what condition you have? What is it? Um, what does it look like? How does it affect your body? Okay, I have three major conditions. The first one that was diagnosed was Hashimoto's thyroiditis. And I know you've had an episode on this, Mm -hmm. but just briefly, it's when your immune system attacks your thyroid and it, itis means inflammation, Mm -hmm. but it it destroys your thyroid and it has destroyed mine. I I had an ultrasound. I only have about 15% of the tissue left and that's all full of holes, he says. So that the diagnosis was actually really easy. Um, Mm -hmm. This was 30 years ago, but I had a very, very forward looking doctor who ran the antibody tests and she said, your TSH is is still in normal range, which was broader then than it is now. Mm -hmm. But these antibodies mean you have this disease. So we're going to start treatment right away. Now, unfortunately, the treatment was just the replacing of thyroid hormones. I asked, is there anything we can do about the the autoimmune part? She said, no, we don't. Now, this was 30 years ago. So they really didn't have anything Mm -hmm. then. They didn't know anything. But most people are still told the same thing now. Yeah. That went fine. I got three degrees. I did my doctoral work. I I got a tenure-track position. I stayed there for 10 years. And then I hit a wall, the medication stopped working. And I learned, I had to do a lot of research, but I learned that this is not uncommon after a certain amount of time. Now this would have been about 20 years. My body could no longer convert the T4, which is the inactive kind of reserve hormone into the active T3. And I was, I was flat out, I could hardly get out of bed. If I stayed upright two hours, it was a good day. Wow. I was extremely fatigued. Mm-hmm. I was in a new city. I had moved to Windsor, trying to find a doctor, uh, having no luck having anyone listen to me that I had done this research. And I knew that I needed some medication with T3 in it. 
I went to one doctor who so demeaned me and told me I needed statins because my cholesterol was high. And as your previous guest said, that's a symptom. That's yeah. not the problem. Oh, it's no. a symptom of low thyroid. I mean, <laughs> every cell of your body uses thyroid hormones. So mm -hmm. if you're, it's not getting there, you're shutting down right. completely. Wow. So I got out to the sidewalk and collapsed in my husband's arms in tears oh. because I felt so frustrated, so not listened to so hopeless mm -hmm. that I, that I could get help. Now I did learn to get help. I got proper medication, but I also learned how I needed to eat. And I became a master herbalist so that I could help the process along with herbs. So that, that was a long span of time. In between that, I got diagnosed at the age of about at 41 of endometriosis and fibroid tumors. Now I have had a long life. Endometriosis pain is the worst pain oh. I've ever had. I mean, I literally pass out. Just from the pain? Just from the pain. Wow. And I went to doctor after doctor. One male doctor said, well, how are you, how are you treating this? And I said, with scotch. And he <laughs> said, well, that's fine. Just keep that up. And I'm like, I come from an alcoholic family. I don't think this is a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh. then, I, then I went to a woman who said, well, have a baby. That'll fix it. No. And I'm like, Yes, <laughs> have a baby, get mm -hmm. pregnant. I'm like, but what if it doesn't? Then I'll have the baby and pain. That means I can't function. Because endometriosis, correct me if I'm wrong, that has to do with like your uterus, right? That's right. I forgot, I forgot, I didn't explain it, that the lining of your uterus, which swells and then is released when you menstruate, mm -hmm. pieces of it get outside the uterus. Oh, wow. And they're not supposed to be there. And that swelling irritates the other tissues around it. It's extremely mm. painful. And so they thought having a baby would make you feel better. Oh, no. I probably couldn't in res retrospect because it <sighs> gums everything up. And I would have had fertility problems. Mm -hmm. Now, I didn't want children of my own. I have three stepsons. And I really didn't want one of my own. Mm -hmm. So... I was just like, well, that's out of the question. I'm just not. Yeah, have a baby, even though you don't want one, have one, and it might help with your pain. That's I mean, absurd. I'm, a, I'm an ethics professor now, and I was like, you're using someone else's life. You're creating a life to try to help yourself. There's something oh. ethically wrong with this. Yeah, wow. It's a utilitarian view of another life. Mm. No, mm -mm. no, that's wrong. So... <laughs> So I finally had a friend uh, say, you really need to, you know, I think you have endometriosis. You need to, to get your doctor. So I went to my primary care physician. She was wonderful. And she referred me to an OBGYN. Mm -hmm. And he listened to my story. He said, I don't think you, there's a, anything, but I'll do a laparoscopy. You know, that's the way they take a little tube and they insert in your belly button and kind of take a look around. And he said, I don't think we're going to find anything. So you have to be put out for this, you know, and I woke up in the recovery room and he's standing over me and he says, well, it's so extensive. We're just going to have to take everything out. And I'm looking at in weeks, I have to start a doctoral program. Right. And I'm like, hmm, I don't want to be trying to recover from a hysterectomy, yeah. a complete hysterectomy, which means the ovaries and everything, mm -hmm. um, while I'm trying to start a very demanding educational degree. Right. So I went back to primary care and she said, well, you won't die. It's not cancer. Mm -hmm. We can manage this with NSAIDs, with ibuprofen and naproxen, which at mm -hmm. that point 
you had to get by prescription. Okay. You're not that far away from menopause and you know, there's exercises you can do and you know, diet changes you can make and we can manage this until you get to menopause. So that's what worked for that. So flash forward in time, I went through menopause. I got over my severe crash from Hashimoto's and I was traveling. I'd even planned a six week trip to on my own to Scotland and Ireland going camping and oh. taking buses and ferries and everything that got canceled due to COVID. And then while I was supposed to be in Scotland, mm-hmm. I ended up in the hospital again. Wow. I had a headache, fever, nausea, a neck ache, and double vision. That was this summer. It was the end of July. And I went tested for COVID. Mm-hmm. That was negative. <laughs> um, I called the doctor on the phone that I could, it was not my doctor, but an associate of hers. And she said, where have you been? So I said, well, I've been out in the bush, you know, we've been at a lodge. And she said, uh, you've got mosquito bites? I said, mm-hmm. oh yeah, lots of them. She said, you might have meningitis. You should go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. So I went and I'm glad she said that because they did everything. Like they did the lumbar puncture. They took all kinds of cultures and uh, all kinds of physical tests, MRI and not an MRI, a CT. And of Mm -hmm. course, all the heart and chest x-rays and everything. And my head was getting worse and worse. And the only thing that would touch it was morphine. So here I am with a fever and morphine and I'm feeling kind of (laughs) loopy. Right. (laughs) And this resident came in, she's asking me more questions and in a very kind of aggressive way. I was like, whoa, I don't know. And then she says, I think you have giant cell arteritis. And I went, I don't understand what you just said. And it sounded so bizarre. Yeah. A a name, giant cell arteritis. And, you know, I said, okay, fine, whatever. She's, we're we're admitting you to the hospital. We're putting you on prednisone. Mm -hmm. Even if you don't have a confirmed diagnosis, the dangers of that disease are so great that they start treatment even before the diagnosis is confirmed. Oh, wow. So I Googled it when I woke up in the middle of the night and that's not, (laughs) that wasn't necessarily a good thing to do because the the source I chose was the Mayo Clinic and they said, timely treatments means you might preserve your vision. Oh, And I went, might? That sounds like the odds are not in my favor. (laughs) Yeah, wow. That's not terrifying at all. And the other consequence could be stroke. So I'm like, oh my (gasps) goodness, this is serious. Mm -hmm. But the one thing that happened was then I looked up, it is an autoimmune disease. Your autoimmune system is attacking your arteries, particularly Mm. in your head, your aorta, the larger arteries. So I knew that it was an inflammation thing. So I knew that I could help with certain herbs. So I texted my Mm. husband, you know, send me this. And I knew that I knew right away what to do with my diet, which had kind of gotten off track during COVID (laughs) time. Cause you know, I wanted to minimize trips to the grocery store. So a lot more packaged foods Mm. and my mother had died the year before. So I had kind of gotten into having little treats as comfort, including chips Mm -hmm. and gluten-free cookies, but still cookies. Uh, so I knew right away that I had to clean up my diet. And, and funnily enough, I found my body wanted that cleaner diet. 
Oh, interesting. The menu at the hospital, you could get things. I'm like, really, they're serving this at a hospital to sick <laughs> people? This is not good food. But they did right. have plenty of good choices. And I found that my body actually wanted the good choices. Hmm. So because I had had years of eating right, I think it was easier to then revert back to that good diet. Right, right. But the biopsy, which they did, was negative. My ESR was elevated, but not beyond the threshold that they diagnosed GCA at. Okay. The ultrasound didn't show anything. The surgeon who did the biopsy said the artery was inflamed, but the lab report said it was negative for inflammation. So now I'm like, uh, okay, which is it? Yeah. I asked my primary care physician. She said, well, you'll have to talk to the rheumatologist about that. So I'm in the, the situation of now I'm tapering down off prednisone. I did see an internist who wanted me to come off very quickly, which mm. is very dangerous. Mm -hmm. Die if you go off prednisone too quickly. And he was just going by the ESR um, test mm. by nothing else. He didn't even have the biopsy. He didn't have any other results. So mm. my encounter with him while it wasn't satisfactory and that I thought that he was giving me bad information and a bad direction, I also knew that I didn't need to accept that. You know, I could explain what my concerns were. And so I got a reference to a neurologist because he thought it could be uh, migraine, which I don't think it is, but if it is, I think it's part of fibromyalgia because of some other symptoms. So okay. we're now kind of up in the air. Uh, I've got a reference referral to both a neurologist and a rheumatologist, and I'm waiting. I've got the appointment with the neurologist waiting for the one with the rheumatologist. And so how are you feeling? Is the prednisone kind of taking away all the symptoms? Oh, it did it first. Yeah. <laughs> it did it first. Oh my God, that's the best I felt in decades, except mm -hmm. I couldn't sleep. Um, yes. And I, I got kind of uh, what they call hypomania, where you're almost at the verge of being manic. And I uh -huh. thought I could do anything. I mean, I thought, mm -hmm. man, I could, I'm, I'm working on creating this website to, to help people with chronic diseases, particularly autoimmune diseases. And mm -hmm. I thought, oh, I'll have this done in a couple months. Well, no. Right. <laughs> it, it takes longer than that. I'm, uh -huh. I'm creating programs and it just is, I'm learning the technology. I've never, never really done this before. I have right. no idea how to promote it. I'm a professor. People came to me. I didn't have to go out and look for them. So yeah, yeah the tapering is tough. Mm -hmm. I tried a couple of steps down on the internist thing and I said, no, this is not working. But my doctor with whom I have a great relationship, she has just you know, said, it's your body. You know how you feel you're mm. in charge of how, how fast you taper. Mm. Yeah. So I want to get off as quickly as I can, but yeah. the danger is that you could have a, an adrenal crisis and die, <laughs> <laughs> or you know at least your symptoms could return. But even tapering yeah. is hard because your body gets used to the prednisone. Mm -hmm. And so when you even take down a little bit, it says, where's that where's that cortisol? Where is it? You know, and you can feel pain and fatigue hit me at about 20. I started off mm. at 60. When I got wow. to about 20, then I was like, before I couldn't sleep, 
then all I wanted to do was sleep. <laughs> right. <laughs> so now I'm at uh, 11 and a quarter. And okay. I'm hoping to be at 10 before the end of the year. That's kind of a threshold point. Um, mm -hmm. When it comes to COVID, you're more likely to have more severe symptoms over 10. Interesting. Than under 10. Okay. So that's kind of oh. a threshold point. So you have a couple other doctors that you're going to see just to try and find a diagnosis for what you're doing. Right. Okay. Yeah. And in the meantime, other than prednisone, you're managing everything else just with herbs? Well, I'm managing that condition with herbs and, okay. and nutrition. Right. Nutrition is really foundational. Herbs, I, I like to say that trying to treat something like inflammation with herbs without paying attention to what you're eating is mm. like trying to put out a, a gas fire with a garden hose and not turning <laughs> off the gas. You know, <laughs> you have to turn off the gas first. Right. And herbs are very effective, but they have milder actions than prescription drugs. Mm. So you really do need to tend to, to the nutrition and feed your body well. And then mm. the herbs can be quite effective. Okay. But they're not going to overcome eating an inflammatory diet. That's just not going to happen. But I'm also, I mean, prednisone, can cause diabetes, you can get high cholesterol, you can osteoporosis. There's other things that have long-term consequences. Right. I mean, the short-term consequences are, you know, you get the moon face and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Um, I'm not gaining weight, which is great. <laughs> great because, uh, you know, I struggle with weight anyway from Hashimoto's, mm -hmm. but I still am on uh, I, I'm on a desiccated thyroid for Hashimoto's. It's mm -hmm. not an artificial it's just fried pig thyroid that's oh, been okay. measured as far as what the content of the thyroid hormones are. And it's, it's as close as you can get to what your thyroid would naturally produce. Interesting. That works very well for me. And it mm -hmm. has for years. That's, that's all I'm on is those two meds and then various herbs. I have my little concoction of tea here. What's in that? Well, it's a decoction of turmeric and ginger with some pineapple juice and then um, a tea made with nettle and thyme, which helps huh. uh, preserve your bones, and olive, a leaf, and parsley for wow. water re retention. And does it taste nice? I get used to it. Yeah, okay. it tastes nice now. <laughs> yeah. I, I really, I find, I find that my body starts to crave what it needs mm, if I pay right. attention to it. Yeah. And, you know, I don't eat things that are sugary. Uh, that's mm -hmm. kind of the worst thing yeah. to do. But I also take uh, some other herbs. I normally don't do capsules. I'm a, I am a master herbalist. And one of the things I learned is that liquid forms are best. So tinctures mm. or teas or decoctions, which you do with roots, are, are much more effective. Your body absorbs them better. But I do take berberin, which is an, you know, one element of a herb because the other elements of that herb, not really good for somebody with an autoimmune disease. Mm. I'd love to hear more about the website you're creating. I'd love to tell you about it. <laughs> it's called Comp Herb, C-O-M-P, and then herb, H-E-R-B, because it's the comprehensive self-care that includes herbs, because I am the master herbalist, and I named it when I thought I was mostly going to do herbs. Mm -hmm. But I realized there's so much more involved in living well with an autoimmune disease. So right. there's nutrition, as we mentioned, there's movement, finding what's right for you that doesn't throw you into a flare, but that does keep up your mobility and strength. There's your relationships. How do you deal with your 
family and friends and get the support you need mm-hmm. without feeling like you're a burden. Mm-hmm. And I know I see a lot of people who feel like, you know, what use am I? Well, you don't have to be useful to be a, right. <laughs> a worthy person. Uh, but yeah. there's things about, you know, your self-worth and things like that that are important. Mm-hmm. Then, of course, there's herbs, which is a complex thing. And people often ask me, well, what do you take for this? Mm. Well, the answer is, what should you take for that? And to discover that, there's a step-by-step process that I'm developing. But that's going to take a little while because I'm building a database mm. of scientific studies on what they call the mechanism of action of herbs and how that relates to exactly what's going on in your body. Like people talk about the immune system as if it's one thing. It's mm-hmm. not. There's, there's many cells. There's many cytokines. That's a word that we now are familiar with after COVID. (laughs) There are signaling chemicals that tell your body what to do. Mm -hmm. And some of them are inflammatory and some of them are anti-inflammatory. Inflammation has a whole host of pathways that it goes through Mm -hmm. and some signaling things, but not others. So you have to find out what's going on in that person's body in order to say which herb fits that. And my approach is to use not just the traditional herbal medicine, but also I run it everything through the medical literature to see mm-hmm. what has been discovered about the cellular effects, about the effects on the signaling chemicals, so that I have a really comprehensive view of what this herb does. And wow. my thesis was written about, you know, people are recommending herbs for fatigue that really shouldn't be used by people with autoimmune diseases. That was my thesis. So that kind of got me started in looking at herbs very comprehensively. You can't just look at one thing that it does. Mm -hmm. The project I'm working on right now is better relationship with your doctor. (laughs) Almost every guest you've had on has talked about the need to advocate for yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's not easy. Not (laughs) all of us are like your boss, your friend who just picks up the phone and tells them what to, you know, you need to say this. I'm a rather shy person. So it took me a while to learn how to do this. Mm. Not everybody has that kind of moxie, right? You know, how do you do that? So I've, I've been working on it. I've been thinking about it and I've broken it down, you know, into different Uh, components of skill that you Mm -hmm. can learn and practice. Because as I told you, uh, when we were talking about this, you're a dancer, you didn't, you didn't learn how to dance by just watching videos of other people (laughs) dancing, right? You really had to move your body. Mm -hmm. And so what I think it takes to develop the skill is learning these components and practicing them in a safe environment. Mm -hmm. because a doctor's office doesn't often feel really safe, right? You're already feeling vulnerable because you're sick and there's an imbalance of power. The doctor's a gatekeeper. They have the, you know, way you can get tests or you can get treatments and without their approval, you're stuck. So that that's an imbalance of power, but there's also gender and class and sexuality and race, all of these things go into this imbalance of power. So Mm -hmm. if you can learn to have these skills that helps bring that more into balance. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm working on now. And I hope to have it ready to go for the first group of students. 
probably toward the end of January of 2021. Very cool. So if people visit your website now, they can sign up to be on your mailing list? Yes, that's right. They'll sign up to be on my mailing list and get my newsletter. The newsletter contains more than that. It's going to contain all kinds of what I hope is helpful information, as well as, you know, when the course is ready to go, they'll be the first ones to know. And it'll have a limited enrollment because I want people to interact with each other. Mm-hmm. There'll be exercises they do, and then there, there'll be time to interact that. And then there'll be live sessions with me where they practice <laughs> in a safe environment. Okay. So nobody will have to disclose more than they want to. Mm-hmm. I just find it, I think it would be helpful for people to go through this and get a real sense of confidence so that when they go to their doctor, they feel they can be heard. They feel that they can get what they need yes. and they know how to deal with things. Like if the doctor doesn't want to give a test, how do you get around that? How do you get over that? No, I think that's so important. I know when I was trying to figure out how to ask my doctor to test me for RA, I would like write notes down. And actually my boss friend, she loves a good role play. So she'd be like, all right, Right. go ahead. What are you going to say? So, and I found that so helpful. So that's really great that you're offering to be like, go on, I'm your doctor. What are you going to ask me for? Like, I think that's so important to kind of walk through it, practice it. If you like find where you maybe need to be a little bit more convincing, Uh I think that's great. That's really smart. Yeah, it's exactly. Well, not everybody has a friend like you. Right, exactly. Yeah. And she's like, talk to me. <laughs> but, but there's also, you know, how do you organize your information and mm-hmm. your inner preparation? You know, how do you how do you deal with your emotions? Because so many mm. people get dismissed. They'll find in their doctor's notes later, well, this person is anxious. Well, of course they're anxious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's uh, not their anxiety that's the problem. It's their illness and, the, and not getting answers that's causing their anxiety. Right. You know, sure, depression can cause many of the symptoms that autoimmune disease causes. Mm-hmm. It's usually not the case that that's the cause of the symptoms. Right. But that it, people can be depressed because they don't feel good. Yeah, you know, because autoimmune diseases are very difficult to diagnose. Many people mm-hmm. go years and years. Like with my endometriosis, I probably had it for 20 years before it got diagnosed. Doctors, they like to feel successful. If they don't have an answer right away, they'll revert sometimes to this dismissal or you can get misdiagnosed. I think you had problems with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So learning how to be your own advocate, I think is a really important part. And you want to feel like you can talk to your doctor about using herbs or about your nutrition. They don't have the detailed knowledge, but they Mm -hmm. should be aware of what you're doing. Just in case they know something about a problem that you don't. Mm. So even Memorial Sloan Kettering, they have a disclaimer. This is not prescription. This is not medical information. Talk to your doctor. If you have all the time, talk to your doctor. But mm-hmm. if you can't talk to your doctor, then what? Yeah. Then what? You know, you're taking a risk to do it flying on your own without at least checking it out with your doctor. Now they may say, I don't know. My right. doctor, you know, I bring her a very detailed description of what herbs I'm using and why, mm. and that I know I need to look out for this and that I've checked for this. And, you know, I said, Well, what do you think of this? She said, You know more than I do. <laughs> And I trust you. And that's, I trust her and she trusts me. It works really well. That's important. So yeah. if, if anyone has any questions for you, would like to reach out, is, is through your website the best way to get in contact with you? Yeah, they can sign up for the email 
And mm -hmm. then the, when they get an email, they'll have my email. <laughs> and it's Dr. Nance, because I am a PhD. So it's D-R-N-A-N-C-E at Comperb.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for, I learned so much with you. This is fabulous. Um, I That's really appreciate fun. you taking the time and chatting with me today. This is a great podcast series. I'm really thank enjoying you. listening to it. Thank you. Thank you so much. And it's great been talking to you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of interesting to put it in a, in a story that kind of shows how one thing fit into the next. Mm. My problems with doctors led to me learning the skills. And now I have a great relationship with my primary doctor. And I know I feel confident when I go in to see a, a referred doctor. Yeah, it's helpful. All right. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you. Um, we'll talk to you again sometime. I hope so. I hope so. Thank you. Bye. Bye. If you'd like to get in touch with Nancy, you can sign up for her mailing list at compherb.com. I've put a link in the show notes, so make sure you check it out. I'm going to be taking some time off for the holidays, so this is the last episode of 2020. Thank God this year is over. I'll see you back again in 2021 with some brand new episodes. If you've got a chronic condition and would like to be a guest on My Immune System Hates Me, you can email me at myimmunesystempod at gmail.com or you can reach out on Instagram at myimmunesystempod. I also started a Facebook page, so if y'all are Facebookers, then you can find me at myimmunesystempod on Facebook as well. Don't forget to rate and review the show. The more ratings the show gets, the easier it will be for others to find it. And a quick disclaimer before we go, any information discussed in this podcast is strictly my opinion and those of my guests and are for informational purposes only. We are speaking from our personal experiences and you should always consult with your doctor or medical team. Happy holidays, everyone. I'll see you in the new year.